not just a story, it has a point. And the themes of the story help us understand what this whole narrative begins to point to. Thanks for tuning in to The Bible Brief. As we pause from the narrative for one more day, we're going to take a look at some of the developing themes since we last did our pause. Today, we're going to focus on three main themes. First, the tabernacle and the priests. Second, testing and the law. And third, faith, not the flesh, is key to righteousness. So let's get into it. First, we'll discuss the tabernacle and the priests. Now, the tabernacle was this elaborate tent that God had the nation of Israel set up while they were in the wilderness. It was in this tent that God made his presence dwell on earth, and it was here that the people would come to meet with God. However, not just any people could enter the tent complex. It was reserved for a special group of people called the priests. These priests would do all the activities that God commanded in and around the tabernacle, and especially the sacrificial offerings. We mentioned that there were two main groups of offerings. The worship offerings that could be produce or animal sacrifices, and the sin offerings that were almost always animal sacrifices. We also talked about the high point on the sacrificial calendar, which was called the Day of Atonement, where the high priest would go into the holiest place in the tabernacle to offer sacrifices for his own sin and for the sin of the people of Israel. With that review, I want to draw out a few things that we should note about this developing theme around the tabernacle and the priests. First, God set up a system with mediators. That is, there were designated priests who performed duties on behalf of the rest of the people of Israel. This meant that they had this in-between role, a sort of buffer between the regular Israelite and God himself. These priests were ones who were, in a way, closest to God's presence. If you, as a regular Israelite, wanted to sacrifice something to God, you would come to a priest and he would do it on your behalf. This is why they were called mediators. They were the medium through which sacrificial worship was performed in Israel. The next observation is simple but important. That God has a place of meeting. That is, God designates a special place where people are to come to meet him. Now this doesn't rob God of his omnipresence, that he's everywhere all the time. After all, God is a non-physical spirit. Rather, that God has a place of meeting is an expression of his mercy. It provides a visual implication of God's non-physical existence. There's a reason it's a tent and not a statue. Finally, the last point on the tabernacle is this. Sin requires atonement. Said in a different way, sin requires a covering so that we can stand before God. We saw the first example of atonement when God provided a covering for Adam and Eve's nakedness in the garden. And this is a good picture for us. Our sin makes our internal corruption nakedly seen by God. And this corruption is repugnant to God because He is holy and perfect. Atonement gives people a covering so that they can draw near to God in relationship with Him. Atonement gives us clothes to cover our corrupt nakedness. Okay, so like I said, that's a developing theme. So stay tuned. We're going to add more to that as we go. Let's move on to the next theme, testing and the law. One of the important things that we should note in the Bible is how often God's commands are equated with testing. Remember, before the binding of Isaac on Mount Moriah in Genesis 22, it says that in this God tested Abraham. 
Now, this word test carries both the idea of a trial and an idea of a proof. Abraham had faith in God, which we learned explicitly seven chapters earlier in Genesis. But God was having him prove it through a trial. Similarly, we see this principle play out with the nation of Israel in the wilderness. We briefly talked about an event where God made water potable using a log. It says this, There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Later, we read this when God provides the manna bread from heaven. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Finally, as Moses speaks to a new generation about to enter the land, he says this, The whole commandment that I command to you today you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these forty years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. As we read this, we discover a principle that shows up in the rest of the Bible. Faith is proved by action, and action is given opportunity by testing. And ultimately, God was using his commandments in the law to test Israel. This law, with all its intricacies, would be a test with blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. But here's the catch, if you will. The law was always impossible to fulfill from the heart, because the human heart was corrupt from the first sin in the garden. This was a test upon Israel that would be failed, and it would result in curses and expulsion from the land of Canaan. In the law, God was giving opportunity for obedient action, knowing full well that failure was inevitable. The stubborn and complaining nation will not ultimately pass the test, as we will come to see as we continue in the narrative. This leaves us perhaps unsatisfied, though. If a corrupt nature keeps Israel from obeying the law that God gave them, how could the blessings of obedience be accomplished? How could righteousness be achieved? Well, this leads to our final theme for this episode. Faith, not the flesh, is the key to righteousness. We're given a clue to this if we go all the way back to Genesis 15:6, when Abraham is being assured of God's promises to him. The passage says this, Abraham believed the Lord, and God counted it to him as righteousness. In the economy of righteousness, it's not action that ultimately gives us the blessings of God. It's the faith that precedes the actions, the true, actual, foundational faith in God. Faith that God will do what he said he would do. And that was the faith of Abraham, who passed God's test when he was about to sacrifice Isaac on the mountain. He passed this test not because of his actions themselves, but as Hebrews chapter 11 says, he considered that God was able to even raise Isaac from the dead. Faith, then, 
is the key to righteousness in the Bible. And on a recent episode, we saw this play out in another way. We met the woman Rahab, the pagan Gentile prostitute, who though she led an immoral life, yet humbled herself to have faith in the God of Israel. She knew that God was responsible for the great deliverances of the nation, and she knew that she wanted to be on the right side of God. She wanted to be delivered by Him too, and she expressed this faith through the action of hiding the two Israelite spies. She's mentioned in the same Hebrews 11 passage that we mentioned before. It says this, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab's faith is identified as the cause of obedience. And this didn't have anything to do with her immoral background. Instead, it had everything to do with her response to God. And she responded with faith and its resulting action. Now remember this theme is that faith, not the flesh, is the key to righteousness. The reason we contrasted faith with the flesh is because we're going to begin to see a belief creep in among the Israelites that they are righteous because of their blood relationship to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That in the economy of righteousness, they will always come out on top because, after all, Abraham is their father. They confuse God's faithfulness to his promises with being owed something by God by virtue of their lineage. They forget that God is faithful, not because of them, but because of him. Now, while staying in the land of Canaan was conditioned upon their obedience to the law, righteousness was a different issue. Righteousness was something that preceded God giving the law. Righteousness was something given by God to all who had faith in him, despite their lineage or relationship to Abraham. This righteousness, the quality of being considered morally upright before God, has nothing to do with past action and nothing to do with lineage. It has everything to do with response to God and His promises. In this episode, we've considered three themes. The tabernacle and the priests, testing and the law, and finally, faith, not the flesh, as the key to righteousness. And listener, I want you to consider something for yourself as we finish. Have you considered that righteousness is a gift received by faith? It's not something we earn by action. It's something simply and graciously given by God. If a prostitute can begin a new life with faith in the true God, can you? Next time, we'll continue in the Bible story as we meet a new kind of leader for the nation after Joshua dies. We're going to meet the judges. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Are you enjoying the podcast? One of the best ways for the show to grow is for you to share it with a friend. Will you do that today? We'd love to help more people understand the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.